Yo, yo, welcome to a post-game edition of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And on Saturday night, the Lakers had a finals rematch with the Miami Heat. But unlike the bubble finals, uh, this one did not go the Lakers' way. They ended up losing 96-94. to uh, was the second straight loss for the Lakers and the second consecutive game that they did not reach 100 points. Uh, and things are getting a little concerning. Uh, I, you know, I, I try to keep it real on here. I, I think I, I, I try to be pretty fair and, and objective. And um, I think those of you that have been listening to me now for uh, multiple weeks and, and basically all season, uh, I think you guys kind of understand how I approach things and, and how I view things. But I, I do think the Lakers are in an interesting spot right now. Uh, they've lost three of their last four games. Those, uh, you know, that, that stretch has coincided with Anthony Davis's absence. Uh, you know, technically he played in the Denver game, but he did miss uh, the second, the entire second half plus the last two and a half minutes of, of the first half. So uh, ended up playing, I believe only 15 minutes in that game. And, you know, so if you look at that game, you look at the Brooklyn game, you look at the Miami game, uh, the Lakers have lost three games against good teams. Uh, the, their one win in that stretch is, uh, you know, the Minnesota game. And if you look at the remaining schedule, the next six games, they are very difficult. You know, Washington on Monday, that should be a win. That's an easy game. But then you have at Utah on Wednesday, Portland, Golden State, Phoenix, Sacramento, or at Sacramento, uh, to close out before the All-Star break. And we found out before the game that Dennis Schroeder is going to miss the next two games at a minimum. So that would mean he's going to miss Washington, which, you know, hurts the Lakers in that game and, and potentially makes it a little bit closer. Uh, you know, Washington just went into Portland and, and beat Portland. And, and then the Utah game, which is a, a huge game, you know, a potential seeding uh, determining game. At, you know, when we look back at it, uh, you know, at the end of the season, uh, that's an ESPN game. It's it's a really big game. And Dennis isn't going to be a part of that one either. And then, of course, AD is out for, for this entire stretch. And, um, you know, we'll see if he returns uh, post all you know, if it's directly post All-Star break or uh, maybe if it's another week or so. So the, the Lakers are in an interesting spot because, um, again, like, you know, the, the schedule like they have not fared well without AD recently. Uh, the, the schedule is tough and there's a realistic chance that they go two and four or three and three over these next six games. Um, like I, I personally view the upside as four and two. Like I, I just don't see, you know, I think they win the Washington game. I think they lose the Utah game. And then the other four, it's, it's probably something like two and two maybe three and one, but I think that's pushing it. I'm probably going to say they go two and two over those last four, you know, the, the, the Portland golden state, Phoenix, Sacramento stretch. And, you know, at that point right now, they're 22 and nine, they'd be 25 and 12. And that's just a, a much different, uh, you know, kind of, I think record and, and perception than I think most people were expecting for this team. Um, you know, I, I think, there, there was, I think, not necessarily with Laker fans, but just sort of uh, league-wide, there, there was some concern of, you know, are, are they going to kind of rest guys? And is LeBron going to take a step back? And, and maybe they're not going to be as good in the regular season. But 
that obviously was not the case to start the year. You know, the, the Lakers have been um, the, the the one seed for the majority of the season until tonight. Utah finally passed them for the lead of, of being in the one seed. But um, like, you know, th- this had been really up until the last week, week and a half, a pretty good start to the season by the Lakers, you know, all things considered. And the past week, week and a half, uh, things have kind of cratered. And I think, you know, big picture, there's not much to be concerned with. If the Lakers do end up, even if they drop to the four or five seed temporarily, I don't expect them to end up there. Uh, You know, I I do expect them to be at worst the three seed this season, but will most likely a top two seed. And even if they end up being a three seed, a four seed, a five seed, I still would pick this team uh, as currently constructed and, and as the, the rest of the league is currently constructed uh, over any other team in the NBA in a seven-game series. So I think in the short term, there are some concerns. I, I do think that, again, they could go two and four or, or three and three over the next six games. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they go four and two, they go five and one. Um, and we, we look back at this conversation you know, a week and a half from now and I have egg on my face and I, I feel stupid. But I do think there's a realistic chance that, um, you know, given the the quality of opponent and given the, the fact that, you know, I had said recently, if you looked at the six games that they had played without Anthony Davis, uh, you know, before that Denver game, um, like the, the quality opponent was uh, the, the or yeah, the quality. Well, I'm thinking if it was five, I forgot if it was five or six before the Minnesota game, but um, even factoring in the Minnesota game, like. The, the teams that they had played up to that point were all lottery teams. You know, the the Bulls, the the Pistons, the Thunder. Um, like, th- those are all teams they should beat with or without Anthony Davis. But the Brooklyn game, they got, you know, shellacked. The the, the, the final score was not indicative of, of the quality of that game. The Miami game, they did make a late comeback. They had a much better second half. Um, but, but that was also kind of a weird game down the stretch. And, and Miami really... I felt kind of choked that one uh, away towards the end. Um, and you, you got to give the Lakers credit that they made. I thought they were great defensively, especially in that fourth quarter. Uh, they, they made some big plays, but I also thought Miami kind of shot themselves in the foot. And, you know, it, it almost cost them the game. Alex Crusoe had the uh, game-tying shot that, that he ended up missing. Uh, but I, I'm going back to last year because it took the Lakers 50 games to get their 12th loss. So they were 38 and 12. Again, if they end up going three and three over the next six games, they will be 25 and 12. It'll have only taken them 37 games to have gotten to their 12th loss. So already we're seeing a bit of a gap from last season and this season. Um, The Lakers have not been as dominant in the regular season. Uh, There have been some pros as far as the defense and LeBron's MVP case. And I think for the most part, the new guys have fit well. Right. Like, I, I think they haven't been perfect. You know, th- there are negatives for all of them. Right. Like, you know, Wes's lineup data or Marcus Soul's defense at times and three point shooting at times and uh, Trez's defense and, you know, sort of the way he's been used offensively and, and it not necessarily being the cleanest fit. Um, you know, the Lakers have really had to try to work to, to find ways to involve him offensively. And then uh, Dennis, you know, I, I think his, his shot selection. His three-point shooting, the, the turnovers, those have been issues at times. But for the most part, I would say all four of those guys have basically worked out as envisioned. You know, I, I don't think there's been 
any major disappointment with them. I think in the case of Dennis and Trez, they've been exactly what I thought they would be. I guess you could say with Mark and Wes, there's been a little bit of you know age-related regression, and, and maybe those guys are a little worse than we had anticipated heading into the season. But I don't think either one has been bad. I know Mark gets a lot of flack. I'm going to continue to defend Mark. I actually think that a lot of the defensive mistakes are not his fault and are more related to the help guy. And I think if you actually look at the film, yes, there are times he will drop and switch onto a guard and just get blown by. And that happens, it feels like, you know, two, three, four times a game. And, you know, if the help guy does not help, it looks really, really bad. And that guy gets to the rim. But there are also times where Mark is involved in the action and he's not really supposed to stop the ball. Like, I mean, it's great if he can, but there's supposed to be help there. And for whatever reason, that player is not helping. And then, you know, it might look like it was Mark's fault, but it actually wasn't. So, you know, this is a long-winded way of saying that I think overall there's been a lot of positives this season. You know, I think big picture wise, I'm not concerned, but I am concerned in the short term. I'm not going to lie. I do think that the Lakers are potentially, uh, you know, amid a, a rough stretch their first bout of adversity this season. And I would not be surprised if they end up being in the four or five seed or at least in the three seed, which they're currently in by the all-star break, which I don't think any of us were anticipating. I guess to quickly go over the game, a finals rematch, but only a name because the Lakers didn't have 80. They were missing Dennis as well. And, and you know, a lot of new pieces on both sides, but LeBron had 1999, uh, was only seven of 21 from the floor didn't have a field goal uh after the 241 mark and only took one shot after the 241 mark um so to, to me Le- lebron looked a little gassed in this game he played 37 minutes uh played the entire fourth quarter and th- this was the first game in a while that i felt he actually looked tired kyle kuzma had what i felt was at least his best offensive game if not you know i didn't have a steal, didn't have any blocks, only had four rebounds. So I, I think he's had more complete, you know, energetic games. But offensively, he became the second guy. You know, he was technically the leading scorer with, with 23 points, a season high 23. Only shot eight of 21. So, you know, didn't have a, a great shooting night, but hit four threes, got to the free throw line five times. Um, you know, that was encouraging. Wes Matthews uh, was the uh, third leading rebounder with eight rebounds, uh, t- 10 and eight. I thought a solid game from Wes. I hit a couple threes, including one late. KCP had a, a mini breakout with 11 points, three of five shooting, all on threes. Uh, he, he played much better. And Montrezl Harrell had 18 and 10 off the bench in 24 minutes. This was the most involved he had been in a game uh, since Anthony Davis's uh, you know injury. And I, I thought Trez was, was really effective. Some quiet games off the bench. THT had five points in 17 minutes. He's continued to struggle uh, against, you know, defenses, scheming against him, and uh, I think uh, adjusting to him. And then defensively got lost on, on multiple possessions against Heat shooters. Uh, Alex Crusoe was uh, zero points in 20 minutes, which, you know, we don't really expect him to score, but had four assists, and I think has actually done a, a decent job in that sort of point guard role that, Frank Vogel is, you know, entrusted him with, you know, with Dennis out, with AD out, Alex is arguably the second best ball handler and distributor on this team now. 
Um, you know, obviously second best passer w- w- would be Mark, but I think Alex is, is you know, he, he talked about after the game, like it's an adjustment for him to be more on the ball, to, to be more of a distributor and, um, you know, really trying to create offense. And I think uh, as a result, you know, you, you see why the Lakers scored 94 points. The, the offense has just been abysmal uh, the, the past couple of games. But, um, you know, I, I think overall, I don't have any big picture takeaway from this game because, again, like it, under normal circumstances, AD and Dennis are going to be playing. So I, I think everyone, for the most part, is in a, a overtaxed role. Uh, you know, I, I think everyone's taking like Kyle Kuzma is not going to be taking 21 shots in, in games that matter. Right. Like it, it's just, you know, unless AD goes down for the season or something, um, you know, then Kuz might be in that type of role. But if he's in that type of role, I, I think the Lakers are in trouble. You know, I, I think um, it, it makes sense why they lost this game. Like Miami had they, they didn't have the best player on the floor, but they had the next two best players on the floor. And really, they had the next three best players on the floor because. Uh, Kendrick Nunn had 27 points, you know, to, to lead all scores, but obviously still had Jimmy and Bam out there. So, I mean, the, the Lakers are at a disadvantage, and I think they're going to be at a disadvantage against most teams right now. I mean, they're missing their second and third best players and their second and third best offensive players. And I, I just think most teams, you take away their second and third best offensive players, and, you know, the Lakers don't really have a guy, um, you know, maybe Kuz a little bit, maybe Trez a little bit. Um, THT on like his good nights, but they don't really have that, you know, secondary shot creator now to, to really help LeBron. And, um, you know, I, I think until they get Dennis or AD back, they're going to be in, in trouble <laughs> offensively. Like, you know, there, there's really no other way to put it. Um, but let, let's get to a couple questions here. Let's get to the open forum, uh, part of the show. I, I think that's all I had to say about the game. Like, again, uh, good defense in the second half, good defense, uh, holding Miami to 15 points in the fourth. But, um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, and, and I, will, I will shout out the three-point shooting. The Lakers took 45 threes, uh, only made 13 of them, so 28.9%. But, you know, I've been harping on it, feels like week after week, that I want to see this team take more threes. And, uh, you know, they finally did it, and, it, you know, it didn't... It didn't work. Uh, they, you know, they still didn't crack 100 points and uh, didn't have a good shooting night. But I, I thought, and I, I think it tilted a little bit too much towards the three point shooting. Um, you know, where it, it was almost like any time there was a chance to take a three, they took a three. So I think I think there needs to be a slightly better balance, and that's where 80. Like I think if 80 and Dennis had played and they had taken the same amount of threes, it would have been better quality threes and just better quality shots overall because of Dennis going downhill and creating driving kick opportunities or because of AD posting up and kicking out to shooters. Like those types of looks are higher quality than just the swing, swing, you know, go to the second side. Okay. Shot clock starting to, you know, windle down. Let's try driving kick, but it's not really a driving kick. And, and this guy's catching the ball with a defender a few feet away, closing out and taking a semi-contested three and they miss. Right. So, Overall, I would say it's it's better to take in this instance more threes than not, especially for the Lakers who have been struggling to even get to thirty three point attempts, which is basically you know the, the league minimum, the, the the bottom of the league. Um, so forty five is encouraging, but I do think that they probably swung the pendulum in the opposite direction a little bit too much 
uh, in tonight's matchup. But let's get to a couple questions here. Aaron Labhan, a frequent questioner on this show. Do you expect the Lakers to sign Boogie? And if so, can he fit and give this offense a needed boost? I do not think that Boogie fits. I know there's going to be people that say he would improve the team and it would fit and he's a center and they need better, you know, especially right now, they need some offense. And, um, you know, my thing with Boogie is, and look, I'm a guy who pre-Golden State Boogie, you know, pre-injury Boogie, he was one of my favorite players in the league. Like I have a soft spot for big men. Um, you know, I, I was a big man when I played, uh, and you know, I just, I've always kind of had a bias towards bigs. So, um, if, if anyone loves low post play and, uh, you know, physical play and, and, you know, the, the stuff that comes with being a big man, like it's me, I, I just, I have a soft spot for bigs. So th- this is to say, you know, Boogie was one of my favorite players, but I, I think since the version of him we've seen in Golden State, it's just clear to me that he is physically compromised defensively and he still has the offensive talent. Um, you know, he can still post up, he can finish, he can rebound, he can hit threes, but he is so bad defensively. And I, I think if you guys think Marcus Gasol is bad defensively, Boogie is worse defensively. Um, and he also, I, I think, comes with, you know, a level of, um, you know, clearly... While I think there's there's multiple facets to his release from Houston, you know, there's Houston side of things, there's his side of things. Um, he does strike me as someone who wants to be part of a rotation and, and wants to have a role and wants to be involved in the offense and take shots. And I just don't, I don't think that the Lakers have a need for that. And I think that like he's not better than Montrez Harrell. So I, I don't think he should be playing over Montrez Harrell. And then if you're saying, you know, he's better than Marcus Soule, I mean, he, he's going to provide more scoring, but he's not as good of a passer. Um, and he's not as good of a defender. Uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I reject that. You know, if someone wants to disagree, that's fine. But um, I, I just think if anything, there, there's more risk uh, in adding Boogie. Now, you know, I, I will say that the Lakers deserve the benefit of the of the doubt because he was on the team last season and, and they know what he was like, you know, in the locker room and and around the team and and just sort of how that fit. And if they want to bring him back, if, if they believe in bringing him back, like, you know, maybe I'm wrong and, and maybe they know stuff that uh, we don't know. But I think the fact that it didn't work out in Houston, um, and just sort of the way his career has been going the last couple of years, I personally have some pause um, in in bringing in Boogie. I personally don't think he's better than Mark or Trez. And, you know, if you're bringing him in to be your third center as, as pure insurance, like, I guess I'm okay with that. But he just doesn't strike me as someone who wants to be a third string center on a contender. I, I think he wants, at a minimum, a backup role, if not a starting role. And... If that is the case, I do not see that with the Lakers. You know, maybe there's another team. Um, I, like, and to be clear, I think he, I'm not saying he doesn't have a role in the league. Like, I, I think there are teams he can help. Um, there are situations that I, I think he might make sense, but I just think looking at what the Lakers need, like, if the Lakers are signing another big, 
they need someone who can protect the rim. I, I think if they sign another big that cannot protect the rim, it doesn't make sense. Because if you're going to have a big who's not going to protect the rim, you might as well have Montrez Harrell out there, right? Like, or, um, you know, Mark, who I, I think can protect the rim, but obviously doesn't protect it at the same level that he used to and, you know, can be taken off the dribble and, um, you know, exposed on rotations and stuff. But, I, you know, so I, I think if the, if the Lakers are not upgrading uh, on rim protection and athleticism and just having a, a vertical presence in the paint, it doesn't make sense to me. And DeMarcus Cousins is not that guy. So uh, unless they're, they're confident that his offense can get back to all-star level, which I just don't see, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of like Isaiah Thomas and, uh, you know, kind of what happened to him. And he got multiple chances in different situations, you know, post-Boston, and it just didn't work out. And now he's out of the league. And I, you know, I, Boogie was – to me, a better player um, in his prime and in his peak and had a you know longer sustained prime. So maybe there is something there. And it's harder to be a 5'9 point guard versus a 6'11 center, uh, you know, kind of coming back from injury and, and finding a role and, and transitioning to being a role player. So maybe Boogie can, can do it. I don't know. But I just think with what the Lakers need, it, it doesn't really make sense. Okay, let's get to a couple more. Anakit Mohan, any concern uh, if the Lakers drop to a four or five seed in the stretch without AD and Dennis? Uh, I mean, I, I touched on that a little bit earlier. I I think there's a little bit of concern. Like, you don't want to be the four or five seed just because of, I think you're just going to have a harder path. But ultimately, I, I think the Lakers are good enough that it doesn't really matter. I think it just would probably mean... They might have some more six or seven game series versus like four or five game series, but we don't know what the home court dynamics going to be. We don't know if fans are going to be, you know, allowed back in the arena. We don't know what's going to be going on with that. So I think that it's, you know, it's just too early to say, but again, I I think at worst, the Lakers are looking at being a three seed overall um, and potentially a four or five seed, you know, in the short term. Ian Franz, uh, when will the pain stop, Jovan? Um, I think the pain's going to stop after the all-star break. I, I think that, you know, Dennis will, Dennis will miss the next couple of games, potentially, you know, two or three, uh, AD will miss, you know, the next four weeks, which should bring him back, you know, right after the all-star break, a uh, week after the all-star break. Uh, and I, I think things will go back to normal. Like th- this team's going to be fine again. I, I you know, I, I started off with a bit of a pessimistic note. Um, I, I don't think again, uh, that, that that's like a long-term concern, but uh, I do think in the short term things uh, things could get pretty down for uh, for the fan base. Um, I'm getting some questions about the threes and, and why they kept shooting them. Like I, again, I think it was Miami was also packing the paint. Like you know that that's one thing you got to give Eric Spolstra uh, credit for is he's a really good coach. Uh, you know that coaching staff knows how to scheme. They, you know, have played the Lakers obviously recently, um, and I think they came in with a really good game plan of we're just going to pack the paint. We're not going to like. I mean, the Lakers only got 38 points in the paint, which I think has to be one of their lowest totals of the season, if not their lowest. Um, you know, I mean, the Lakers kind of walk into 45 plus points in the paint. So for the Lakers to be at 38 and to have taken 45 threes, that really shows that was part of Miami's game plan. 
And I think not having Dennis, who can go downhill in the pick and roll, uh, get out in transition, not having AD, who can post up ISO, um, you know, pick and roll, and, and just dominate the paint. Like, you know, those are two of their three best, not just scores, but guys in the paint along with LeBron. So I, I think the Lakers really missed those two guys in that aspect. And that sort of caused them to, you know, take a lot of threes because. I mean, a lot of these threes were open or semi-open, but that was also part of Miami's game plan. I'll close it with this one. Alex U, uh, at Alex underscore U for life. Should we be more uh, careful with LeBron's minutes? The man's playing 36 to 38 minutes, and we could see that he was tired today in the second half. I mean, he says he isn't tired, but we can clearly see that he is. Uh, yes, I, I do think that LeBron's minutes are a concern. You know, he, he ended up playing 37 tonight in a loss. That's just too high. Um, and I actually have, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, Bill Orm and I have a piece coming out on Monday that dives into some of the the non-LeBron lineups and minutes and how the Lakers have struggled in those minutes and what you know they can do to um, kind of figure that out. Because looking at it tonight, they were plus 11 in the 37 LeBron minutes. They lost the game by two, which means they were minus 13 in the 11 minutes he sat. And this has been a trend going back to uh, last season. The, the Lakers were negative in the non-LeBron minutes last season. Uh, they, they've been negative this season. And AD's presence has actually not affected it because most of the time when LeBron is off, AD's on. You know, if you go back and look at the lineup data, uh, Frank has done a really good job of staggering those two. But... The Lakers, for whatever reason, have not been able to have productive lineups without LeBron. And you know, I, I think as a result, they have relied on him a lot and probably played him a few extra minutes uh, each game that he probably shouldn't be playing. And that is going to accumulate. That is going to add up. You don't want him to lose his legs in March or April uh, when you know he's supposed to be playing until July. So I do think that be it resting him a game or, or just reducing his minutes uh, you know, to capping it at like 34, 35, 33. Lakers got to figure that out because, um, you know, and who knows, maybe having a couple of blowout losses uh, could help them in that regard. And, you know, you don't, if you're Lakers, you don't want to lose any games. You don't, you don't want to tumble down the standings. But, um, you know, like a blowout loss in Utah, if LeBron ends up playing like 25 minutes, like maybe that's a good thing. Um, you know, rather than him playing like 40 minutes in a close loss to Utah, right? So uh, I think it's going to correct itself at some point, but it is something to monitor and the Lakers really have to figure out um, a, a way to, you know, kind of tread water in those non-LeBron minutes. And obviously Dennis and, and AD being out hurts because those are two guys you want on the floor when LeBron is out. You know, now they're throwing together these weird... Trez, Kuzma, West, KCP, Talon lineups that, you know, just don't make a lot of sense. So it's a challenge for sure. Um, you know, I don't envy Frank Vogel right now, but uh, he's going to have to figure it out. Otherwise, the Lakers are going to continue to uh, drop games and and tumble down the standings. So, um, yeah, things are getting interesting. But uh, again, big picture, nothing to really be too concerned with. But uh, in the short term, I am interested to see how they handle the next couple of weeks. Uh, but as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N. 
B-U-H-A. If you've not subscribed to this podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, you can do so off of Twitter, off of one of my stories, or going to theathletic.com. Thank you guys for listening. I'll be back after Monday's game against the Wizards.